This show is a part of the FM Podcast Network. Visit us at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Darkness at the break of noon, shadows even the silver spoon, the handmade blade, the child's balloon, eclipses both the sun and moon. To understand, you know too soon, there is no sense in trying. This is Pod Dylan, show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly, and joining us this week to talk about It's All Right, Ma, I'm Only Bleeding from 1965's Bring It All Back Home is my pal, Brett Young. Hi, Brett. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, I think other people, uh, you know, that have listened to some of my other shows Mm -hmm. know about the designation that has been given to people that do five of my solo shows, which (laughs) is the Robbie. I didn't name it that. Uh, That that was a Vox Populi thing. And you're not there yet, but you are rocketing your way towards that because I'm I'm, I'm getting them all. I'm trying... I'm, I'm going to try to do what, uh, what I guess, like in tennis, they call the Grand Slam. I'm trying to get it all. But this would be, I guess, a calendar year. It wouldn't be an exact year, but I'm trying to get it all in a calendar year. Because this is number four for you, and we had never recorded together less than a year ago. We did uh, well, our first no, Treasury uh, Cast together. It's three. It's three. I've done, I did Treasury Cast. I did Mountain Comics. I've done this. And then we have two more scheduled. Well, so that's, I yes. Get, I yes. will get it, but we're not, we're not there yet. So Okay. For, you know what? That's true. But I guess in my, no one, by the way, nobody cares about this. But I, <laughs> <laughs> once I put how, you how on my, I, I, once yeah. I, it's my show. I do what I want. But once I put you on the schedule, <laughs> To me, it's it's right. like it counts. I okay. just realized that yes, your right. your your appearance on the final episode of another one of my shows yes. is coming up, so we're not there yet. But but anyway, you are you are bringing it, man, because you are yep. just many people take some years to get exactly. five, and you are just knocking them down left <laughs> and right. So anyway, I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you about this song, one of the great Titanic yes. achievements in the man's discography. Uh, we've talked about this song once before, about six years ago at this point. So it's long overdue for a reappraisal, especially mm-hmm. since I asked you name any song you want to talk about. And you picked right. this one. I'm always fascinated as to why people, when they could pick any song out of the hundreds, he's got <laughs> why they pick a certain one. But right. we, have, of course we have to start at the beginning is how did you become a fan of Bob in the first place? I, I've actually started listening to Bob Dylan. When I was pretty young. Uh, my dad. So I would hear it a lot. In my dad, car so my dad growing up he would drive my sister around and i he had an he had an old uh 1964 mercedes it was like this light yellow mercedes that he got like uh kind of second hand because part of part of the engine wasn't working so he bought it cheap and was able to get it fixed by a buddy of his so he so he had he had this awesome uh, mercedes that we'd ride around and no seat belts to be found anywhere <laughs> in the play, of course you know <laughs> we were a tougher like, breed like, back yeah, then <laughs> yeah exactly it's like don't don't do that at home kids you know don't uh yeah wear your seatbelt. uh but anyway so he, w- he would listen to like neil diamond and ray charles and paul simon and a lot of and a lot of bob dylan too so I remember, and and he had a lot of his earlier albums too. I remember, always remember the like I can visualize the pictures, uh, like Free Wheel and Bob Dylan, where he's arm in arm with the uh, with with his I, was that his girlfriend? Yeah, Sue um, Sue Sue's Ritola, okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then uh, you know bringing it all back home. And I remember his greatest hits album because of the the side profile. I was always fascinated by that by that view. So you know, with his huge hair. You know, screwy hair and everything. Anyway, so he had all these albums, and and I remember, you know, I was a little kid. I was literally about like maybe six or seven years old, and I remember listening to Bob Dylan because I just thought he was like the guy with the funny voice. You know, when I was that little, and, <laughs> and I'd listen. To that. But I, I, you know, times are changing. But I'd also, uh, but the, but uh, you know, uh, Highway sixty one revisited. I remember blowing in the wind like a Rolling Stone. But the one I really loved was uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues tried to like sing along to, I had no idea, you know, what, what any of the stuff meant because I was a little kid, but, <laughs> but, um, but that's kind of how I first, uh, you know, kind of learned about Dylan and, and, uh, and then as I got, uh, you know, into my teens, me and my friends were kind of really into sixties uh, and seventies music. And then, you know, when I, I was, I was in high school and stuff in the eighties. 
so like in late 80s and stuff like that but but we really were into the 70s so i'd listen to the beatles and the stones and the who and simon and garfunkel and listen to a lot of dylan too you know and i'd get more into the lyrics because you know you want to be so deep when you're that you know you're so self-serious when you're a teenager. <laughs> you know everybody every you know people are like you know you don't get me man you know I, i'm not <laughs> listening to this top 40 fluff I want to listen. I want to listen to the. I want to listen to the cool stuff, you know. So I would do that, and 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 it's all right, mom. Only bleeding just always kind of caught caught me. Like I just I remember the first time listening to that song and the way the way the for whatever reason the the way he he does the guitar in the recorded version it always almost sounded like he was like in motion, like he was riding on a, like he was like playing this while he was like sitting in a train or something like that, like mm. in a box car or something like that. You know, it just had that, that constant movement and uh, you know, the, the lyrics are pretty bleak, but, uh, but that, you know, that was your wheelhouse when you're that age, you know, you're, you're, you're in, you're into that. And uh, so I always, it, that, that song always stuck with me. So when we talked about doing a song, that was, that was always like kind of top on my list. And I assumed that somebody had already done that one because it was such a, a big part of his, of his music. But, uh, but I figured I'd take a shot and, and uh, it seemed like it had been a while. So I was like, here we, here we are. Before I ask you some sort of follow-up questions, of what mm-hmm. you just said, I, if I, if I may dare speak for Bob, I would bet <laughs> that you saying it sounds like he recorded it in a box car. He would probably take that as an enormous compliment. I think that's exactly <laughs> his, his whole aesthetic now is that sort of feeling that it's Bob and the band recorded in a boxcar as it's sort of wheeling its way through the the heart of America in like absolutely. 1935. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. So. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you saying that would make him, I think he would nod at that kind of thing. <laughs> hey, thanks, Brad. I really appreciate picking up the vibe that I'm throwing down here. Now you mentioned that your dad was the one that, that listened to mm-hmm. this. Did you go out and get the records, any of the records on your own or was all of this, from your your dad's collection no 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 so when i was little i remember you know seeing he had the albums and he would play he would play them and he had them on i guess god at that point i guess it was cassettes um i was gonna see i don't even know what that mercedes had it might have been an eight track or something <laughs> um or it might have been retrofitted or something anyway he would those are so loud those things the eight track good chunk yeah <laughs> <laughs> um as we bounced around in the back seat because there's nothing like keeping us in place um no no but but you know you know, we're about the same age so you know, you could go to the, that's when you could go to a record store, like when I was a teenager and do deep dives, you know, so yep. that was like when you find kind of like with, with comic stores and stuff with back issues, like in the music store, you know, you could go back and hunt. And I was doing, I would always hunt for a lot of, like, I would go back and get, you know, I was really, like I said, I was really into Beatles too. So I'd go back and I, and I had all the Beatles out. So I'd go back and, and find like, like Lennon solo albums and, right. and McCartney stuff and his stuff with wings, which is sort of a mixed bag. But, but I, but I'd look for, for some of the Dylan albums and I, and I'd be like, Oh, you know, blonde and blonde. I want to get, you know, I want to get that on CD. You know, I wanted to get, uh, you know, uh, bring it back home. I wanted to get, you know, a lot of those different albums. And I got some of his, I guess, at that time, relatively newer stuff like Oh Mercy Under the Red Sky. Yeah. And so, and some of those, uh, some of those other albums too. But yeah, so I, I would, I, I, yes, I would seek those out on my own and get my kind of made my own collection. So it wasn't gotcha. just based on, you know, my dad's uh, old albums. Yeah. Gotcha. Because the, re- the reason I asked that is because then I've, I've, again, I've mentioned this when I feel like it's a song that's kind of fits this designation. But mm-hmm. if you ask the average, per- like, okay, if you think of Bob Dylan's discography or his, or his, uh, whatever you would call his songography, whatever you would use the term for all of mm-hmm. his songs, right? Mm-hmm. If you imagine it as like a building, to me, the hits, the songs that everybody knows uh, are like the windows. You know, those are the things you first see. Those are the decorate, you know, those are the mm-hmm. initial. Sure. And you ask the average person, maybe the average person nowadays won't even know who Bob Dylan is. That would be sad, but maybe it's true. But you ask someone of a certain age who's not a Dylan fan, Name some Bob Dylan songs, right? They're going to name right. you "Blowing in the Wind." Sure. They're going to name you like "Rolling Stone," "Forever Young," certainly "Lay Lady Lay," maybe you know, or something like that. Knocking on heaven's door. Yeah. And then there is, to me, the songs that are like the steel reinforced girders that keep the building in place. <laughs> and this is one of those songs. This is a song. 
of such depth and timelessness and quality, but it's not a famous song to anybody outside of, I'd say, relatively diehard Dylan fans. Sure. The average person doesn't know it's all right, Ma. I'm only, they might, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, I saw Easy Rider. There was a guy singing a version of it in that. But it's it's like Isis or Visions of Johanna, where it's like, to me, it's a, yeah. not in quality, but it's a B-level song in terms of how much knowledge you need to have on of Bob Dylan sure. to know what this song is. But you go back and listen to this and you say, my God, if any other musician had this song in their catalog, they would they play this at every concert because yes. they'd be like, this is the genius. This is, these are my genius credentials is this song. And yeah. this is just one of like a dozen in the sixties that he had that was never released as a yeah. single. It was just on side two. And it just became this thing because it is one of you go back and you scan the lyrics and we'll go over it. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, this thing has what half a dozen lines that have permeated the culture Yes, at this point, yes. which is unreal. That even yeah. one, even a song could have one line that does it, let alone half a dozen that he's <laughs> reeling off in the seven minutes that this thing runs. So that, that the reason, that's the reason I was asking about that. So I know yeah. that you have not seen him live. No. Um, is that something that you want to do? Is it something you've just kind of like, eh, I'm not a big concert person. Well, I mean, where are you on that? Yeah, well, that's, that's interesting because I, um, no, I have not seen him live. I've seen... He's kind of one of the few guys uh, of that sort of genre that I wanted to see. I shouldn't say a few, but there are like certain guys I always wanted to see live. I, I wanted to see him live. I never did. I wanted to see Billy Joel live. I saw him live a few times. I wanted to see Paul McCartney live because I figured that was the closest I was ever going to get to seeing the Beatles. You know, so I saw I saw him live a couple of times and stuff like that. Um, and then beyond that, most of my concert going was kind of in my you know 20s and 30s and it was uh there's a place in i I live right outside of washington dc there's a place called the 930 club which is uh kind of a smaller venue place but gets a lot of bigger names and has over the years uh so you could you could see sort of you know at the time when the counting crows were really big you know they 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 would come there and and then smaller groups i remember seeing like g love and special sauce and 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 different, uh, are you, do you know those guys? <laughs> the first mention of G Love and Special Sauce on Todd Dillon. It took, <laughs> took 297 episodes, but we got it in. We've done it. We've done it. Oh, they're great. I love this. But, uh, you know, so so I've seen a lot of kind of smaller venue concerts and things like that. Now, but oh God, I haven't been to a concert in forever. I don't even know what I do. Like, what, what do you do when you go to a concert now? You just kind of stand there, or you dance, or you can sing along. I don't. What, I don't. What do you do? People, there are people who dance at Bob Dylan concerts. I am not one of those people. Uh, I look like Frankenstein trying to attempt that. So that's not something I. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is a different experience is that you are at least for the most part. Like to me, you're just sort of sitting there taking it in. You know, I mean, you're yeah. moving around a little bit if you're if you're so inspired. But yeah, it is a much more sedate sort of experience and and we talked about this again on on episodes leading up to it like mm-hmm. i just saw bob a couple of weeks ago when he when he hit philly and the main chunk of the concert hall is general admission and then the seats around it in the back were were you know seated and mm-hmm. i'm like i'm too old to do general admission <laughs> i don't i can't stand up for five hours like waiting right. in line then right. the concert like no i've just aged yeah. out of that so okay so it's <laughs> it's not so much not seeing bob as it is just you're just not in the mode of seeing concerts much at this point in your life yeah yeah I, yeah i just don't i yeah it would it, it would take an extraordinary circumstance i think for me at this point to go see uh to see a concert i don't know i'm just not i know that sounds sad doesn't it i don't know i just i love i love music i i just don't, i don't know if i want to spend you know i i just don't know if i want to want to go through that whole thing you're a busy man you got a lot of kids I, in the I house kids, here you, you yeah, got a, you're self-employed you got exactly. a lot going on right you're exactly. doing all my podcasts you got a lot on your plate <laughs> every other week there's a podcast every other week you're doing a podcast yeah. so yeah, i i totally understand I no, a lot, a no, you know, i gotta read things yeah this yeah. is a no judgment zone brett don't don't worry I about it it's, it's it's all good you know the thing the thing i think i always liked most about him was how uh malleable how how like transformative his stuff is because he can you know he can write a song and then somebody else can do it and it sounds like a completely different thing and then mm-hmm. somebody else can do it it's it, you can interpret it, it's almost like he he does these things so raw 
that well when he does them in concert like i was you know before this i was listening to um it's all right ma like in different concerts and he did one like at the you know like i listened to one at the philharmonic hall from like 1964 in new york and that was Mm -hmm. really just stripped down and he's he's singing he's you know he's more speaking the words and and almost like it's almost like he's like there was somebody in the audience that he just hated because he because the way he was saying it you know you can see he's almost spinning the words out because he's like you know you son of a bitch you know you know he's kind of doing that and then there's one i was listening to one where he does in uh tokyo it was live in tokyo and i think it was from the 70s and it it sounds like something like the blues brothers would have done it's like big he had he had backup uh singers and it was almost sounded like half of like a like a big band Mm-hmm. you know and it completely changes sort of the the atmosphere of the song and the way it's you know you almost think about it but it still holds some of that it still holds the meaning but it's but the way he he can just he can just do that and completely do it differently and then another one uh at the la forum in 74 i was listening to and that and he's like flying through it and at first i'm like does he just does he just want to maybe somebody said hey you got to do this one tonight you know or something like that and he's just wanted to get through it but the more the more I listened to it, his voice his voice was completely it sounded completely different. It was smoother and strong, and it was kind of this really passionate version. And he was sort of punctuating the end words, you know, when he get the 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 the, the it's all right part. He was and the crowd was really into it. It was really a cool. It's probably my favorite of the live versions I listened to was that one. And it, gotcha. it, was, it was really fascinating. And it probably, I think it's about, it's about set over seven minutes long. I think it's or five. Mm-hmm. Or five. He probably did it in five minutes. <laughs> he, was going so, he was going so fast, but he's still like, it was still all there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't cheating the audience. He wasn't cheating anybody. He was just doing it a different way. And it, and it still, it still hit home. It was great. So that's, that's probably, uh, maybe I should have led with that, but that's kind of the thing I always really, um, respected and admired and, and and loved about Dylan and his music was was just how you know how he can take one song and it can you know just sort of flower out from other people doing it to 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 he himself doing it in 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 other venues in other ways I always thought that was really cool he has said I'm going to butcher the quote but he has said in in an interview more than one time that his songs have a, a mathematical grid that only he can see that sort of, again, using uh, again, the, the sort of the building uh, <clears throat> metaphor that like undergirds any of his songs and you can take it and change it and move it and make it faster, make it slower, yeah. uh, change the beat, change the, this change the that. And it still retains the intrinsic field of the song. And I think <laughs> that's kind of what you're talking about because yeah, yeah uh, yeah, the versions from, say, the Rolling Thunder review. And again, we'll talk about how many times this has been performed live because it's been performed quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the you got the ones from Before the Flood, which is, as you're saying, he's kind of rushing through it. I love the idea that your supposition that somebody told him he had to play this. <laughs> I, I love the idea of some poor bastard that would have the temerity to go up to Bob Dylan and say, yeah, I guess, Bob, yeah. you have to play this song tonight. <laughs> But then you've got, you know, the one from Budokan, uh, which is, as you talk about, kind of like mm-hmm. a big band sound. It's got yeah, sax yeah. and it's got the backup singers. And yet it's the same song. He's still singing right. pointed threats. They bluff with scorn. Suicide remarks are torn from the ghoul, fool's gold mouthpiece, <laughs> the hollow horn. I mean, this thing is, by the way, this song, when I was listening to it again, you know, and as you said, for like all the different live versions that are available, mm-hmm. I'm I am. You know, I'm always amazed that his ability to just remember the song lyrics. I know. Especially when, you know, something like Tangled Up in Blue, that's a story song. I think one verse leads to the next verse in your head. But this is just all over the place. This is, I feel Mm -hmm. like this song is a, like an audio, audible version of a kaleidoscope where you're looking at it and you're twirling it and you're just Mm -hmm. seeing all these slivers of sort of, thought as it's going from here to there because this thing bounces all over the place yes. it has no through line except for of course the refrain the you know right. it's all right ma and even then he's changing it i'm sighing i'm only mm-hmm. i'm only this i'm only that but it's i'm impressed that when i was going back and listening to these you know these these live versions and even the ones that he did when he's been relatively older he still can remember 
all the verses, which is just incredible because this is a I damn know. dense song. Every yes. time I listen to it, I don't really remember what part we're going to get to now. I'm like, well, I think the president naked part is coming up. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, there's another verse. Oh, now he's going to get to it, you know, because yeah. I can hear, I can see the rhyme coming. And so that's, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's completely amazing. I love the idea that he was thinking of someone in the crowd that night and spitting it at them. Cause that would just make you feel it, two yeah, inches it, tall. You know, I know that it guy. really, it really had that uh, feel to it. And I was just listening to it. So there was no video you know, mm-hmm. added to it. I was just listening to it, but it really had that, it really had that sense. Like he was just like disgusted with the, either the crowd in general or somebody in the crowd that just had that feel. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, you know, the history of this is, and you know, I never want to assign a single meaning to any given song because that there is no such thing, sure. but the context of it is that, you know, he is shedding the skin of the protest singer and he's getting a lot of flack from that crowd that is sort of mad at him for abandoning what they perceive as, you know, the fight, however Mm -hmm. you want to, whatever terms you want to think of the fight. And Bob is chafing at that because he is ultimately, I am my own person. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. Yes. He used that notoriety in the folk circle and wrote some of the greatest social justice songs ever written, uh, which of course that keeps people from, you know, that makes them want to say, well, give me more of those because you're really good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> how many roads must a man walk down? You know, pretty, pretty good yeah. stuff. I read more of those, but he doesn't have that in him. He's got to move on to this other thing. And so this song is sad. It's a sad song. Oh, yeah. It's you're, you're, you're caught up in the power of the performance, but it is sad because it is a guy who feels exhausted and worn out. And dis- mm-hmm. as you talk about disgusted, yeah. weary, and yet again, the the imagery, the barrage of imagery and the internal rhymes, I go on and on yeah. about that. I love internal rhymes because yes. you're throwing, you know, the the third word rhymes with the seventh word and the line because you're just kind of, kind of catching up. And he's throwing out these things. I mean, God, by the time you got to the end of the second verse, you've already got, they please wasted words, proves to warn that he not busy born is busy dying. Yeah. I mean, for Pete's sakes, that's an all timer. That's yeah. part of the culture to the point where a president quoted it in his nominating speech in 1976. I mean, you've got Jimmy Carter quoting Bob Dylan in one of his speeches. That's where that's how much it's permeated the culture. By the way, it's ironic that I guess you could argue that the president uh, least needed to be stripped (laughs) naked. Exactly. Yes. uh, You know, in terms of the moral decisions he made in office is yeah. jimmy carter he's the one who quotes <laughs> but he's him. the one who quotes him yeah he's the one who quotes it yeah it's kind of amazing but it's yeah. just it's just one thing after the next and you're caught up in the exhilaration i assume that that is what rang the bell for you when you heard it it's just like oh this is it's just so overwhelming it's it's uh it's almost exhausting to listen to and i i don't mean <laughs> that in a bad way i don't mean that in you know in a way of like oh god when's the song gonna be over i i mean that in a way that it's it's almost <laughs> it's almost disheartening how relevant this song still is. Uh, and it was what written fifty years ago almost, you know. And and, and no, more than that, fifty almost sixty at this point. Yeah, I guess it would be almost sixty. Yeah. So you know, and you're just like, oh god, nothing's changed. You know? <laughs> if anything, it's gotten worse. You know, and, and that's and that's the thing. And again, when we when we talked about doing this song, I, at first I was like, well, I should, you know. Obviously, I listened to it a bunch more times. And I listened to live versions and I was going to do a deep dive. I found some sites that really like dig into the lyrics. And I was like, well, you know, no, I don't want to do that because I don't want to I, I, I don't want to interpret this through somebody else's eyes or somebody mm-hmm. else's thoughts, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, because because, you know, I don't need Rolling Stone telling me what I'm supposed to think of this, you know, about the song. I, I want to just kind of, you know, I listen to it enough. I know the song well enough. I've, I've lived, I've been living a life, you know, I, under, I, I, I know what this is about, or at least what it means to me, you know? So I, I, I stopped myself from doing that. Cause I was like, okay, we're not, we're not going to research a song in that way. We're going to talk about it and, and, you know, say, say how it makes us feel what, you know, and, 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 and what we think about the certain parts of it. But so I kind of stopped myself from doing that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like I said, I I do that too. I like to look up other people's uh, takes on it, but mm-hmm. generally, yeah, I wanted. It's my own version of this. This is what it means to me. You, yeah. like you said, you've lived a life. 
of your own and and this is what the song means to you and that's why i wanted to talk to you because i said we we've had other conversations and i've always enjoyed talking to you so that's why when you mentioned to me that you were a dylan fan i was like oh well this is perfect you know (laughs) so i mean i mean it is i mean you know the the third verse so don't fear if you hear a foreign sound to your ear it's all right ma i'm only sighing i think there's something Again, I don't know how much you know of Bob's biography and Dylan's work is more than just biography because that's pretty boring if he's just writing about his own life. Yeah. But, you know, he was close to his mother and she lived a long time. She lived long mm-hmm. enough for to be his guest at the the Kennedy Center Honors in 1997 and oh wow. And get get to see him intro, you know, given an honor by Gregory Peck for, for Pete's sakes. Yeah. I mean, you know, she got to stand on stage with him and talk about how proud she was of her boy Bobby. I mean, just an incredibly yeah. sweet thing. This little little old lady clapping along at the, That's you know, awesome. the, That's the awesome. poet laureate of the 20th century. <laughs> That's um, awesome. By the way, another audience where he probably was disgusted by half the audience, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, probably. But you know, there I do find there is something innocent and sweet about a guy who is as cutting and as seemingly so like sui generous as Bob mm-hmm. Dylan, kind of looking back to his mother to reassure her yes. that he's okay, you know, yes. like kind of sending her an audible message. It's all right, Ma. I'm only sighing. I'm only I'm only ble- yeah. I mean, only bleeding is pretty bad, but I'm not dead. I'm OK. And they're right. just using the record as that kind of message to her. I, there's something, again, sweet about it, to, even though this song is so cutting and yeah. nasty and sad. Yeah, and, and no, and, and a, a thousand percent correct. And that was something I was going to get into also is, um, you know, I mentioned my dad earlier. He kind of got me into it. But I, you know, I have a, I have a great relationship with with both my parents. They've always been there for me. They're, they're fortunately they're both still with us, very supportive, and uh, that's something that I can still do to this day. Like if things are difficult or I just need, you know, to vent, you know, I can mm-hmm. do that. And that's that's kind of the lifeline of the song, or at least the way I always viewed it. As you know, he doesn't end this with uh, "We're all doomed." You know, he mm-hmm. doesn't end it, you know, he doesn't end with, with, I hate this life or anything else. You're right. It's almost like, like I can, it reminded me of the part of like having a, a phone conversation with my mom. And at the end, you know, I might vent and then I'm like, it's okay. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I needed to get this out, but then you, then you reassure her. It's like, okay, you know, there'll, there'll be a tomorrow, you know, I'll get through this. It's okay. You know, cause you just want, you want that supportive that supportive voice. And I, I did not know that about his mother. I didn't know she was around as long as she was or what his relationship was, but that, that even, you know, makes it more relevant to me that that's the case because, because I can completely see, you know, me having phone calls with that throughout my life with my mom, where I'm like, Oh my God, this happened and this happened. And, you know, my God, when's this going to end? And then I, you know, and you can hear, you know, and, and when you have a good relationship with a parent, you can you can hear the pain in their voice when you're saying this because you know. And as a father myself, there's nothing worse than knowing you know your child is is sad or upset mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or and you want to you want to help them. And sometimes the only thing you can really do is just be there and just listen to them and let them vent and let them and, and just know that they're supported. And uh, that's that's kind of the lifeline of the song and it's great that's that's another thing that really you know why this song always stuck with me uh not too long after she finally passed away i think around 99 or 2000 he puts out love and theft which features the song lonesome day blues which has the song i wish has the line i wish my mother was still alive and you again it's not necessarily that it's just all biography but that line can't help but jump out of you jump out and you hear it and knowing what you know you're like oh this is he was lucky enough to live that long and be be so recognized and have his mother live to seal that his father passed away in the late 60s and so he was still Mm -hmm. certainly very famous but apparently they had a relatively contentious relationship with him his mother got along so yeah there's there's something you know so world weary about the song about the performance and yet he's kind of keep going back and saying it's you know it's all right mom i'm okay yeah. Um, and then, you know, then we go back into this, this, the torrent of imagery. I mean, this, as some worn victory, by the way, I say this all the time, just reading the lyrics is hard, but you know, <laughs> yes. me just reading the lyrics, I, I get tongue twisted. And this is the guy who sings them, yeah. uh, you know, and while he's playing the guitar, 
private reasons, great or small, can be seen in the eyes of those that call to make all that should should be. See, I did it right there. To make all that should be killed to crawl, while others say don't hate nothing at all except hatred. And then he says, disillusioned words like bullets bark as human gods aim for their mark to make everything from toy guns that spark to flesh-colored Christs that glow in the dark. Amazing imagery. It's easy to see without looking too far that not much is really sacred. And as you were saying, nothing's changed, right? Nothing's changed. Bob was feeling this in 1964, 65. Uh, Yeah, we fixed all that, right? Yeah, I I, I mean, again, you know, like I said, I didn't read up on this. I assume a lot of this is sort of about the the hypocrisy of religion and the the military industrial complex and and kind of everything in between. I assume that's what he's sort of referring to. I don't even know if he's ever said. That's what he's referring to. No, even right okay. now, very cagey with all that kind of stuff. Okay. He has said he's very proud of this song. Like he has yeah. called this one out as one he's particularly proud of. And he there's a uh, great 60 Minutes interview he did in the 2000s where he talks about he quotes this song and says, "Yeah, I can't write songs like that anymore. I don't know where that came <laughs> from. You know, he's like, I can sing it, but I can't write it anymore." Yeah. Um, re- regarding the bit about don't say don't others say don't hate nothing at all except hatred. I feel like that I've always taken it again to mean that one seems to be a shot at the folk crowd is that they, you know, maybe not in a literal sense, but a kind of way of saying they're hypocrites as well. They, they, you Mm -hmm. know, they say don't hate anybody except we hate those kinds of people. Well, that means you're hating somebody and that's not, that's not great. You know, that kind of thing. Um, Again, that's always, and you know, again, it stands in for any sort of hypocrisy, any sort of somebody saying something and doing another thing. Yeah. The revolution Um, has been sold type mentality. Yeah. 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 Completely. Uh, And then he says, you know, while preachers preach of evil fates, teachers teach that knowledge weights can lead to hundred dollar plates. Again, just, you know, you could just put that in a song in 2023. Goodness hides behind its gates. But even the president of the United States sometimes must have to stand naked. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I know it's it's so great. It just well, I I don't know. I don't I don't have the words to really you know say how 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 awesome and can be disturbing, especially considering some of the recent presidents. You know that that, that visualization, but uh, but yeah, it, it's it's so true, and it, it's just great. There's something very funny that uh, no matter when he has played this, the crowd goes insane because yeah. they're always like, yeah, that's the current president. No yeah. matter what your president <laughs> is, that's the one you're like, yeah, yeah, he needs to stand naked. You know, there's always, we all hate it. We hate our presidents. We elect them and then we hate yeah. them. Now, some of them totally deserving of that. Yes. But we, that's what we do. We just, yep. the minute they do something we don't like. We turn on them and we do everything we can to help them fail. And then when they fail, we yeah. get mad at them. That's just the way we are as a people. <laughs> but, you know, and I, I you know, I, I mentioned this just a couple episodes, episodes ago uh, when Omar Uden and I discussed the live version of tonight, I'll be staying here with you where he recontextualizes the song and rewrites it to make it very purposely a crowd rave up, which is something Bob very mm. rarely does. That is not what he does. He is yeah. anti that sometimes almost, tires in a tiresome way he's that like he just refuses to give the crowd what they want and sometimes that can be really frustrating the closest person in the rock firmament of the new dylans i would say to him is bruce springsteen Mm -hmm. and bruce springsteen is a i i love bruce springsteen i have i've seen him live great but he is not afraid to give the crowd what it wants you know i think he finds some value in that he's gonna do born to run when, right. you know, when yes. he's playing in New Jersey, he's going to do all the New Jersey song. That's just who he is as a performer. And he finds himself very comfortable. I think Bob just doesn't. But the reason I bring all this up is he, Bob knows at this point that line is coming in this right. song. And he knows it is going to drive the crowd nuts. And especially he's bringing it out during the 1974 tour with the band right in the middle of Watergate. I mean, right, right, that, that's right. and you, the crowd reacts appropriately. And he had to know that he didn't mm-hmm. have to do this song, but he did it because he knew that line is just going to set the place on fire, which you is know, great well, because it deserves right. it. Cause it's an amazing line. 
Yeah, it is. It, that is kind of a shame that he doesn't. Well, I mean, do you think it's you just think it's just because of the way he is or do you think it's sort of a uh, I, I don't want to be your, you know, dancing monkey or why? Why do you think? Uh, well, he, I can't yeah. profess to understand the man. Okay. I, I don't even after being a fan for 30 years, I'm not going to yeah. ever presume that I know who he is as a person, even right. though I've been listening to his music and I. I know it backwards and forwards. I, that's not the guy. The The music and the guy are two different things. That's why yeah. I talk about the music, not the man. That said, I can go from interviews. Yeah, I think it is. I think he wants to, he's going to follow his muse wherever it leads him. Right. Even if it leads him down places that the crowd doesn't want him to go, he doesn't right. care. <clears throat> and you could argue, look at the results. Look at the results. Sure. I mean, you know, here, this song's an early example of that. The The folk crowd is like, hey, don't, go down this road because we like you singing the protest mm-hmm. songs. I mean, that's a very reductive way of putting it, but that was kind of the, yeah, yeah. the bare bones of it of, you know, and here he is saying, no, I can't, I'm not going to, I'm going to turn away from the thing that brought me here and made me popular into this other realm that people yeah. might not follow me. Now they did because they saw the brilliance of it, but he's taking a risk and he kept do he's done that time and time again over 60 years. And that's why he's Bob Dylan now. As yeah. opposed to a forgotten act yeah. that is so just sings the hits. So know? there's a little bit of there's a little Russian roulette involved with seeing him live then. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get, right? There I mean, can be. Not... Yeah, okay. there can be. And and okay. some people don't like that. Some people just that's not what they want. And that's fair. Other people like me that have seen him to the point where I'm I'm you know, I've seen him into the twenty six, I think my last one was number twenty six. <laughs> I know what to expect. I know I know not to expect anything. That's what I know to expect. You know, it's like he's going to yeah. just do what he wants to do and that's it. And that you have to accept that yeah. or or not. But well, he doesn't really care. Well, to that, though, because you, you, yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, so after after that, one of the great lines ever, I mean, prisons in the United States, so right. must have to stand naked. The idea of even the most powerful person being brought down and shown for who they are right it's just again it's it's one of those things that you, you got to think like you know when he when he digs this song out right five years later he's like my god did i write that yeah holy <laughs> shit man uh <laughs> and though the rules of the road have been lodged it's only people's games that you got to dodge and it's all right ma i can make it which is probably yeah. the most upbeat part of the song i mean yeah. you know the whole idea that it's it's only people's games that you really have to worry about. It's people's expectations. It's and that's again, that's I think that's true of most people how we perceive that it's it's people that you have to worry about. Most stuff, it's most of the stuff's not that external. It's just right. your interpersonal relationships and just the idea that, you know, all right, Ma, I can make it. Um, he yeah. said in, in one of his most famous press conferences, the San Francisco one in nineteen sixty five, he says, Every one of my songs ends with uh good luck i hope you make it he says every one of my songs say that which is an amazing quote right and it's incredibly yeah. upbeat and yet here he is he's sort of giving you this road you know he's using it personally but he's giving you his own roadmap of how to navigate this yeah that and and that's the one i like best of the it's all right because you're right it is it is the most hopeful moment of it and i guess if you you know you talked about his relationship with his mother before and if you think about it that you're you you send your you know, at some point you have to send your child out there and, and hope that things go well. And that's sort of the, you know, the response to him. It's like, it's okay. I'm going to, I, you know, I know you're worried, but I can make it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's great. That's great. Uh, and then it's the end of, then he sort of turns the, the, the tube of the kaleidoscope a little, if we can continue with my strange metaphor here, but he says, uh, <laughs> advertising signs that con you into thinking, that you're the one that can do what's never been done. That can win what's never been won. Yeah. Meantime, life outside. Out, meantime, see stuff. Meantime, life outside goes on all around you. I mean, yeah. now Bob has since, of course, danced with the corporate Moloch. You know, sure. uh, he's he's done commercials for cars and uh, computer systems and even women's lingerie and. People could argue well, women's laundry. I missed that one. Yes. The, yeah. Oh, Brad, you got a you got something to look forward to. Go to YouTube, type uh, in Bob Dylan Victoria's Secret, and really? you will enjoy. Yes. Oh my uh, gosh. If you want to see a video of, of 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 Bob Dylan walking around while Angelina Lima 
uh, walks around in her underwear, that's it's it's a good thirty seconds. Oh, really? Well, seconds when you, you think spend. lingerie, you do think Dylan. So I you do think Dylan. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, good lord, the idea that advertising signs that con you into thinking you're the one that can do what's never Great. been done, that can win what's never been won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I love the that you can win what's never been won. That's mm-hmm. that's my favorite part of that of that line because it, yeah, that's that's just so great. It's just you know, just the the marketing the machine just looks at you. You're a sucker. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're gonna get you one way or the other. I think of those lines every time I see a commercial that I feel like is uh, you know, there's that phrase the banality of evil. You know, mm-hmm. where it's like evil is you know when it's Hitler. You know, that's easy right. to recognize. Well, for some people, but yeah, m- yeah. most of us <laughs> well, know, again, like, yeah, go ahead. not a, yeah, not as many as we should, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's some stuff is yes. murder, you know, right. I mean, like that's right. obviously, but then there's that evil that just sort of, you know, kind of seeps into the, the ground and it yep. seems benign. And to me, there's a lot of advertising of that, of, of especially like, to me, it's like car commercials where they're like whatever like 900 horsepower like i don't yeah. i don't need that what are you doing <laughs> seats 15 like what why do i need this like what yes, do you, you know yeah. people uh, driving the, up cliff faces like yeah, when am i gonna need to do that you know yeah. like we, you know i would like to drive up a, a cliff face but the yeah the the the, the giant truck uh a crowd uh that that never actually have to use it for any type of work they're they're the worst people yeah, it's just you know just damaging fragile ecosystems. The plan- yeah, just burning yeah. the planet so they can so they can you know double park this monstrosity. Yeah, you know it's just like oh my god. Uh, <laughs> you know there was again not to get too far off this, but what the hell? There was a there was a car commercial a bunch of years ago. I don't remember what car it was for, and it had an actor named uh, I think his name is Martin. Martin McDonough. No, I, I don't know. I'm blowing the name. Doesn't matter. It was an actor mm-hmm. who you've seen in stuff. He was in Star Trek First Contact. He played Ensign Hawk in that movie. But he's the spokes guy. And he's talking about the difference between Americans and the rest of the world in terms of our work mm-hmm. ethic. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, you're, and they don't literally say it, but he was like, you know, in Europe, they take a month off for Christmas. In America, we work. And I was like, this is the most evil goddamn thing I've ever heard. They are making a virtue of yeah. working yourself to effing yeah, death. To death, yeah. And they're yep. making it sound like those idiots that take a month off for when their baby is born, or I take know. a month off to enjoy, you know, the summer, or take a month yeah. off to enjoy the holidays. They're a bunch of pansy suckers. And I'm like, yep. th- those lines from this song, that's what I think of every time I saw yeah. that commercial. I was like, this is evil, this commercial. <laughs> this is downright evil. <laughs> they're making everybody feel bad for wanting time off from work. I know. Like, I know. Keep working. That way you can buy your sixty thousand dollar truck. I was going to say you're going to have to keep working to afford this truck. So, so get back to work, suckers. Yeah, obviously yeah. we are never going to have a truck sponsor here on. No, Bonto, I guess, but that, yeah, that's okay. Sorry, I put it up for you. <laughs> so anyway, the song goes on. You lose yourself. You reappear. You suddenly find you got nothing to fear. Alone, you stand with nobody near. When a trembling, distant voice, unclear starters your sleeping ears to hear that somebody thinks they really found you i love the uncertainty the vagueness of a trembling distant voice comma unclear like it's half heard maybe it's a dream maybe not i just love that it's so vague and unspecific it just gives it it makes you like kind of lean in you're like oh my god what what's going on here yeah what's what's happening yeah (laughs) it's great it's it's awesome it could be his conscience it could be you know it could be a lot of things yeah it's, oh man! But that's that's the great again. The, going back to why I stopped myself from from digging into these lyrics, I was like, "There's just so much open to interpretation that mm-hmm. you, know, you don't you don't want to ruin it." You know. <laughs> um, that he says the question in your nerves is lit. Oh, okay, I love that metaphor. The question in your mm-hmm. your nerves are lit as if a match. You know, which is fantastic. <laughs> Yet you know there is no answer fit to satisfy, ensure you not to quit, keep it in your mind, and not forget. That it is not he or she or them or it that you belong to. Again, the, the versions you've talked about where he sings it fast, yeah. the fact that he can get that out and not flub it is I know. It's amazing. damn impressive. <clears throat> because <throat> I've tried to sing it out loud when I'm in like the car by myself and I mess <laughs> it up every time. He, she, them, or I just kind of jumble it. But again, that's a very 
you know, for a dark song, there's a there's some like, as they say in Hollywood, like actionable notes here. And that the idea that, you know, keep it in your mind and don't forget that it is not he or she or them or it that you belong to. You belong only to yourself. Again, it's wonderfully reassuring buried in this sort of nightmarish vision. Yeah, it's yeah, that's true. I I guess I, you know, yeah, I guess you could kind of, you know, it's a stark warning. But at the same point, it's it, it's uh, encouragement as well. It's yeah. kind of it kind of walks that line. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 startling. And you know, uh, the um, when he recorded this, you know, of course, it's on side two of bringing it all back home, which mm-hmm. is the all acoustic side. Those four songs: Mr. Tambourine Man, Gates of Eden, It's All Right, Mom, Only Bleeding, and then mm-hmm. It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. Were recorded basically in one shot. Wow, which is un real you know now there is an alternate take of gates of eden and there is a false start to this song which you can hear on one of the bootleg series where he's he's he starts playing and you hear tom wilson say gates of eden he's like no 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 the other one oh yeah (laughs) and what song okay and then bob even complains he goes this song's so long man which I love that, like, well, he wrote it. Like, who are you complaining? I love it. It's like, what was like, I doing? Was it, you know, somebody, why is somebody making me sing this? Oh, yeah, I'm making me sing this. Okay, that's yeah. that's what it is. Um, although the masters make the rules for the wise men and the fools. And the Again, fools, another yeah. phrase that's lived really? on in the culture. I got nothing, Ma, to live up to. Again, another sort of self-actualized, mm-hmm. you know, kind of phrase. From them that they must obey authority, that they do not respect in any degree, who despise their jobs, their destinies, speak jealousy of them that are free. Uh, by the way, on the on the BobDone.com, the line has changed. Here on BobDone.com, it says, cultivate their flowers to be, hmm. which is not the line in the song. And then he says, nothing more than something they invest in. That, to me, feels the most like what you were talking about when he's singing it to somebody and he's pissed off at them. This feels yeah. very pointed at almost somebody that he knows and he's just yeah. kind of crapping yeah. on it. it. And, 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 and this series of lines is so relevant, especially since COVID when, uh, you know, the, the battle to risk your life to come back to the office, please. Cause I need somebody <laughs> to boss around because <laughs> otherwise otherwise i'm afraid that the higher ups going to realize i don't have it serve any purpose here other than <laughs> in an office by myself so if nobody's here people are going to realize i don't actually do any work yeah well, we're paying uh, for this real estate we gotta have somebody yeah, in it yeah we gotta have somebody in it so i need somebody to boss around so uh i don't care if you have an autoimmune deficiency get in here so yeah yeah they're laughing but that's not funny uh, <laughs> no, it's not but it's true i mean terrible it's, yeah it is um so while, so, yeah really uh while someone principles baptized to strict pat party platform ties social clubs and drag disguise outsiders they can freely criticize to tell nothing who to idolize and then they say god bless him again i love that each verse mm-hmm. has got this one syllable that he just bends yeah. for every conceivable rhyme to get you know the, yeah. the this is the eyes one and then he says well one who sings with his tongue on fire gargles in the rat race choir there's a line gargles in the rat yeah, race that's choir great. that's great. been out of shape from society's pliers that feels like a line that could have been in subterranean homesick blues it's too yeah. long but it has that same kind of feel to it of you know the, the put you on the day shift kind of thing mm. Uh, cares not to come up any higher, but rather rather gets in on the hole that he's in. Yes. But I mean no harm, Sorry, nor put ahead. fault, or anyone that lives in a vault. But it's all right, Ma, if I can't please him. Mm-hmm. I love these going back to that. He's talking about the guy who's dragging dragging the hole, but it's okay if I can't please that guy who's trying to drag me down. Yeah, God, that's that's so great. <laughs> ah, and this song still has like I mean I like, know it's well, so four, four more verses to go. Yeah. Normally I don't quote you know every single one, but this is just so dense. No, Old no, lady judges. Watch people in pairs limited in sex. They dare to push fake morals, insult and stare. While money doesn't talk, it swears. <laughs> Again. That, so that is, that is the line, I think, in this, in this whole thing. Because, um, and he doesn't hang a lantern on it. It's just, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's another one of the lines. But, but literally, the, the, the way I think about this is you could take everything any leader in our country, our, our country's history has ever said, take the Gettysburg Address, take Roosevelt's spirit self, take uh, uh, JFK's, you know, ask not what you, your country can do for you. You know, take everything else. You can put it in a little wooden boat, send it out into the water and light it on fire. 
And there is nothing, there's nothing that better encapsulates the American experience than money doesn't talk, it swears. There's nothing <laughs> better. There's nothing better. That, that is, as far as I'm concerned, that's the, the, the greatest line in any song in history. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm dead serious about this. I think it just, it just nailed it. It, it. it brings everything down into what, five words. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's sad. It's, it's terrible that that's the case, but it is. That is late stage capitalism. And he wrote this 60 years ago. <laughs> it's the kind of line that I think when you write it, right? Like when it came to him, because he pretty wrote this in around 64. When yeah. it came to him, you almost got to wonder, did he like, I can't be the first person that thought this, right? Because like, probably, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, the kind yeah. of thing where you're like, this, this didn't exist it's kind of like I would imagine if you tell your kids and maybe your younger ones that there was a time before the internet, they must be like, mm-hmm. what is that? Were there dinosaurs yeah. too? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> if they, they they just can't wrap their head around the enormity of it, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And that line is just like, I can't be the first person to ever put this down, right? Oh, money doesn't gosh. talk, it swears. Because the phrase is already, money talks. Well, that's yeah, a phrase money in the culture. Yeah. So I'm just taking the thing that's there and bending it. Mm-hmm. Was I really the first person? Really? Me? <laughs> Me? Bob Dylan? Robert Zimmerman? I was the guy? Yeah, apparently so. It was yeah. nobody ever. And it reminds me a little bit of, and again, we'll, you'll be on MASHcast uh, next season, mm-hmm. but there's that episode of MASH, uh, the interview, where yes. they ask Hawkeye, did you bring it? Have you brought any books with you over here? And he says, I brought one book with me. What book? The dictionary. <laughs> the dictionary, yeah. Because I figure it's got all the other books in it. And I, <laughs> when I heard that, I went, okay, now that's people who don't know, that episode legendarily has the, the characters, has the, the actors uh, writing their own dialogue in response to questions that they're given by this interviewer, which means that line was written by Alan Alda. When I heard that line, I said, there's no way Alan Alda wrote that. That is too brilliant an observation that that didn't exist before yeah. 1975. There's just no way. And Alan Alda is brilliant. And then I mentioned it back when I had a MASH blog and no less than the creator of MASH, Larry Gelbart, commented on my post really? and said, yeah, no, he wrote that. Yeah, that's Alan wow. Alda's line. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just like my respect for Alan Alda just went up by a million that he yeah. wrote this thing that is so self-effacingly brilliant that i can't believe it never existed before like say may 1975 yeah and that's the same thing about this money doesn't talk it swears you're like yeah no one said that before 1964 but i know I so yeah you're, you're you're probably right and he did think and he's like well i'll put it out there and, and see what happens you know <laughs> he's like but nobody no okay there's like right. some guy you know in canada who said oh man i said that like, you know, oh, maybe you're not famous now. <laughs> Nobody's gonna hear it. This one dude, like, oh, yeah, man, I said I... it at the, I said it at the bar one. I really should have written that down. I really, oh man, yeah. nobody's gonna believe oh, me. Well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, them that defend what they cannot see with a killer's pride, security, it blows their minds most bitterly. For them to think that death's honesty won't fall upon them naturally, life sometimes must get lonely. Again, I, like he spent all this time spitting at these people, kind of this metaphorically and then now he's showing some sure, real pity, pity towards yeah. them. my eyes collide head on with stuffed graveyards false goals i scuff at pettiness which plays so rough walk upside down inside handcuffs kick my legs to crash it off say okay i've had enough what else can you show me and that to me is i've always <laughs> felt like that is bob talking to his muse is that it's i've gone this far with what i've been doing what yeah. else is there? What else can yeah. you show me? What else is there for me to do? And obviously the doors are are getting knocked down because he's soon going to be writing like a Rolling Stone and all these other mm-hmm. things. But he's 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 waiting for this kind of new avenue when he's just about to get it. And then it ends with, and if my thought dreams could be seen, they'd probably put my head in a guillotine. <laughs> Again, who can't, you know, can't relate to that? But it's all right, Ma. It's life. And life only. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just it's such a great song. It's I mean, it's just song. unreal. Just yeah. completely, completely unreal. Um, so we've talked about a little bit the live versions. It has been mm-hmm. performed. He actually performed it live before it ever made the record, which is still relatively unusual for him. Mm-hmm. He started playing it in September of '64. He didn't record it for bringing it all back home until January of '65. 
So people got a preview of this. Imagine trying to decipher this song without knowing what you're about to hear. Right, right. You know, trying to untangle this. Well, yeah. And not, well, the one the one version I was telling you about, the Philharmonic, that was in 64. That was in October of 64. And uh, actually, the one thing, like I told you, he's going back to it real quick. Um, he he, where I was saying it sounded like he was like just speaking vitrally to somebody in the audience. There's there's one break in the tension where he's doing one of the one of the later verses. He screws it up. Oh, real, does he real really? Quick, <laughs> just for a second, it kind of laughs and then then just keeps going. But that's sort of the one break in the tension. But that makes sense if he was just, you know, the thing was brand new. So yeah, you said without having the record to know what you're going to hear and maybe have some of the lines in your head already, try <clears> to <throat> dis- decipher all this. Yeah, wow. you know, especially since with the weird word, you know, line breaks. That he does, you know, like the lines don't necessarily end with the word. Right. They, you know, my eyes collide head on with stuffed end of line, graveyards, new line, false gold's eyes. Scott, you're like, wait, right. that's the graveyards is the continuation <laughs> of the previous line. Again, just try and like, you know, listen to all this. But anyway, he's performed it 772 times. Wow. So, you know, this is, and it's, it's been played on basically all of his main tours. You mentioned mm-hmm. he played in 64. He played it at the, on the, you know, the before the flood record. He played at Budokan. Mm-hmm. I got to see him live do it at the Bob Dylan 30th anniversary concert oh, where wow. he sang it all by himself, which is really one of the last times he ever performed anything by himself. No really? band. So it's just him and a guitar and he just him it. and a guitar. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He did Girl oh, from wow. the North Country, Song to Woody, and then this. Wow. Uh, and he oh. sings it fast. He sings yeah. it real fast. And it, again, it makes it even more impressive when he's singing some of these lines about you can win what's never been won. You know, mm-hmm. you can do what's never been done. Like he spits it out really fast. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, and he's been playing it all the way up until 2013. So mm-hmm. he's left it alone. Uh, you know, again, Bob being contrary, the president naked line. I don't know, might have had some resonance during <laughs> some recent yeah, times. A few, a, a few four year stint recently. Uh, but yeah, no, but, he's yeah. no, he's not doing that. You know, Bob's Bob gonna be Bob. But it's a song that, you know, despite the fact it hasn't been played for 10 years, it's it's gotten a lot of live outings over the years. And it's as you mentioned, it's very malleable. Yeah. It's a big yeah. rave up with the band on Before the Flood, and then you've got the backup singers on the, mm-hmm. the Budokan version. Mm-hmm. Um so it's you know, it's a song that for, for as long as it is and as dense it is, it's malleable. It's very malleable to whatever he needs it to be. And the, yeah. that's makes it, that's why it's one of the great achievements in his career and probably of anybody's career. I wonder, I wonder if he doesn't do it anymore primarily because he's at this point, he's like, well, you know, I mean, do you, do you really need me to spell this out for you again? <laughs> you know, what's going on? Haven't, haven't we all basically been living this uh, recently, you know, um, or, uh, or maybe it's just too hard to remember. I mean, he's, He's getting up there. It might he's, he's, 80, he's 82 yeah, he's, now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's obviously, you know, the the tour he's been on for the past couple of years has focused very heavily on the new record with some of the older songs sprinkled in. And, yeah. and uh, this one will probably stick out really quite far in the middle of that because he's just going for sort of a different approach. But you never know with him. You mm-hmm. never know. He might pull this out again and, and drive everybody crazy because it is just such a just you know, it, it is a towering achievement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, remains, you know, it just remains one of the, the greatest songs in his catalog. And it was covered, you know, it's been covered a million times. Uh, it was originally supposed to be used in Easy Rider, uh, but mm. apparently they couldn't, uh, Peter Fonda couldn't quite get the appropriate licensing. And so he ended up getting Roger McGuinn to record a cover of it. And that became a mm-hmm. sort of famous cover, but it's been covered by, Lots of people. I was looking here. Terrence Trent Darby. Imagine what that I don't know what that version sounds like. <laughs> you know, Terrence, um, Terrence right. Trent Darby. There you go. Um, no no G Love and Special Sauce, but still, still well, good. How could they not have done it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Billy Preston did one. I mean, yeah. again, I'd love to hear that version. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a song that you know. It's uh, it was I quoted had some piano in it. I'm sure it does. It's quoted yeah. uh, by a Public Enemy in a song of theirs called "The Which... Long and Winding Road." Uh, oh, really? from 2007 where they quote it's all right ma as a child of the 60s along the watchtower i can't bet that they're going to miss me so i mean uh it, huh. it was used in the final episode of the sopranos so i mean it, it was know, i don't remember that part it, well i that yeah. i remember i remember i was like whoa they paid the money for that like they got <laughs> wow. sopranos are making good money by that point so they can yeah. pay for oh, it yeah 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 
but uh yeah i mean it's just it's really just one of the great songs and that's yeah, just something about the fact that we have been talking for over an hour about it you know, know. <laughs> I mean, just a single song can go this long and that's me kind of rushing through the lyrics because there's just so much of it i know well well and now I, I haven't been on pod dylan before is this the part where we sing it do we do you want to do a duet or whatever <laughs> that is not no? that is okay. most definitely not a part of the show oh okay so uh <laughs> well I, as we're sort of wrapping up here i mean is there any else you just sort of want to say about it now you've had your chance to talk you you picked this song out of yes. all the ones well i you know? I, I think I, I think i've said a lot and i i don't want to just you know i don't i don't want to overdo it it's just i like i said it's it's i always thought it was a brilliant song you know the the lyrics were are fascinating and brilliant and i you know like i said when i when i hadn't listened to it for a while and then when we talked about picking out a song i was like that's the it's the first song that came to mind and and i thought well i haven't listened to that for a while and i did and i was and the, and the thing that just hit me was just how again like like i said before how depressingly um relevant it is still and you know and everything he talks about how you could he you know it could have been written yesterday and and it 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 wouldn't you know feel aged or 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 anything like that you know it's just it's it's just a brilliant piece of art you know i i i feel almost cheap in just calling it a song it's a it's a piece (laughs) of it's a piece of art and uh and, and i just I, I i think it's the most brilliant thing he's done i'm sure everybody you know has their own opinions and thoughts on that but but it's uh you know i'm, I'm glad i got to talk about this one because this was this was number one absolutely i'm glad you got to do it i'm glad that we you reached yeah. out and we got a chance to do this so well thank you very much brett as i've said before i always enjoy talking to you and yeah. across all our different disciplines it's comic books or television <laughs> yeah. or whatever uh and now bob dylan so thank you so much for doing this man i really appreciate it you're welcome this is the first time we've uh, had a conversation that didn't involve modok that's, so yeah. that's uh... <laughs> but there's a large chunk of the audience now was like what the hell yeah, is he, talking, like, he about? talking about he was in the ant-man movie everybody yeah, in case you yeah. know that's yeah, there you good go. lord we can say that now so okay um as we're, we're wrapping up here i have to ask you of course the exit question which i'm asking mm-hmm. everybody and this is your first time on the show so if there was I, I think i know the answer to this but you know you're it's yours to answer yeah. if there's any recording session of Bob Dylan's that you could sit in on. And I'm not limiting it to a record. It could be right. anything. I mean, he did the theme time radio hour. He's done commercials. He's done all mm-hmm. the Victoria's secret commercial. You could, you could sit in on that. Well, now anything. I think I'm, it might be the Victoria's secret. Guy. I didn't you might, want to, you might want to watch the ad before you answer this, but, um, but, uh, but if there's any recording session you could sit in on and just be a fly on the wall for, right. Right. What would it be? Uh, it's actually not what you think. It wouldn't be this album. It would actually probably be the Traveling Wilburys, their first album. I think that would be a lot of fun just to see those guys interact. You know, uh, uh, Tom Petty and, and and Roy Orbison and and Dylan and you know, and see a Beatle. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and George Harrison. And, uh, you know, they could all like make fun of Jeff Lynn behind his back or something like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that that would just be that would be amazing. That would probably be the most fun. And, and the listen, listen to them recording uh, Tweeter and the Monkey Man, which, was, <laughs> which is which is an awesome song, too. That'd be a lot of fun. Many people have picked the Wilburys for that reason. Right. Because yeah. you just get to see these five amazing people. Yeah. sit around and shoot yeah, the shit incredible. and you're just like what an amazing thing that's got to be so well that, uh, that uh, great answer i mean that's a great answer and i will tell you this very brief this episode's already gone long enough but i will tell you the story just because you probably haven't heard this story and i love being mm-hmm. able to tell it to people because it's very yeah. funny in terms of bob's sense of humor like his dry mm-hmm. you know george, george harrison famously said about bob everybody takes him so seriously but he's really such a joker and of course, you know, you hear, listen to this song, you're like, really? That guy's funny, you know? <laughs> but there's this moment, and this again, this is within Dylan circles. This is a famous story, but I love being, I love it when I first heard it and I love telling people. So, so apparently, right, they're working on the Wilburys record. Mm-hmm. And at some point, he's sitting there with Tom Petty and George Harrison comes by, maybe early on in the sessions or something, but Harrison comes by, or maybe, maybe this might not have been for the, for the Wilburys. It might have been if they were just getting together to do it or something. Okay. But Harrison walks over, says something, right, to the two of them, and then walks off. And Bob, Lee, Bob leans conspiratorially to Tom Petty and goes, 
He was in the Beatles. (laughs) 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 What a great. Thanks, Bob. (laughs) I didn't know that. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving me that wisdom. This guy's a great guy. So, uh, <laughs> oh, cool. oh my God, I just thought of that. they're almost all dead now. It's just Dylan and Jeez. Oh, what Jeff a way Lynn to bring still... the show down. Wait, Thanks. is Jeff Lennon still alive or is he? He is still too? with us. He He's is still with us. Okay. Yes. Wow. Wow, Brent. What a way to end the show, man. Right. Jeez. Well, look, this, this, you know, this, the, you know, this song wasn't a pick me up if you were looking for that, you know. Uh, well, that's true. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about well, that, everybody. Spoiler well, thank you. Yeah. yeah, spoiler. Yeah. So, well, again, thank you. Thank you. No. Stop it. So uh <laughs> thank thank you for doing this. Why don't you tell people thank where you. they can find you out on the internet? Uh I'm a graphic designer, web designer by trade. So my company is called Imagine Eight Design. That's the word imagine, the number eight and the word design. So my website is imagine8design.com. Um I'm on Instagram at Imagine8 Design and I'm on Blue Sky at Imagine 8 Design, which is nice Twitter for those who don't know. And um, and Nazi free to this point. Nazi free. (laughs) So far, we're Nazi free. Yes. And I also am on T Public at uh, Cool Jeep, uh, Cool C O O C O O L dash Jeep. So that's going well, and then and it's it's uh, it's fun to do and check it out. And you know, it's it's just about Christmas time, so you know, buy a shirt or a hoodie or a sticker or something (laughs) like that. Doesn't have to be one of mine. You know, just it also. It's all local. It's all uh, independent artists. So it, uh, it, uh, you know, support your support your local artist. Yeah, we yeah. very much heartily endorse that message. Yes. Uh, which is a perfect time to mention to remind you all that if you want to support Bob Dylan, <laughs> and, <laughs> no, and here I just say yeah with the segue. Look at thank that. you, man. Right. Really, you teed it up for me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, so to hear the full extended episodes every week plus our bonus shows, please subscribe to Pod Dylan over on Apple Podcasts or on FM Pods dot com so uh yeah, that is good if you sign up now rob will sing uh it's all right my fool for you uh why are you so trying to sing. kill my subscriptions brad <laughs> what are you doing what are you doing over here uh that is not valid it, you know trying, okay no it's stop funny. it so Who's anyway <laughs> thanks so much for listening everybody we will see you later bye you ever look at music that you've written and look back at it and say whoa that surprised me I used to. Uh, I, I, I don't do that anymore. Uh, I don't know how I got to, to write those songs. What do you mean you don't know how? Well, those early songs were like almost magically written. Um, uh, darkness at the break of noon, shadows even the silver spoon, a handmade blade, a child's balloon. Well, try to sit down and write something like that.